Hey to all you fish enthusiasts out there. Whether you're an avid angler or just curious about fish, we'd like to welcome you to Fish of the Week, your audio almanac of all the fish. It's Monday, March 4th, 2024, and we're on a week-by-week tour of fish across the country with guests from all walks of life. I'm Katrina Liebeck with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service in Alaska. Yo soy Gairo y hoy estamos hablando sobre las truchas nativas al sur de la frontera, específicamente ellos del Rio Conchos. That's right, we're finally doing the trout of Mexico, specifically looking at those from the Rio Conchos. Okay. I know a little Spanish. It's very nice. <laughs> we are very happy to have fish illustrator and Mexican native trout enthusiasts. Joe Tomaleri with us for this episode. So very glad you can join us, Joe. Guys, Spanish is a little bit better than mine. I had to write it down and rehearse a little bit. Well, thank you. Okay, so where we're headed today has this really dramatic looking landscape. What's it like if we are kind of taking like an aerial view of this landscape? What does it look like? What really stands out to you? Let me give you a little bit of the geography first. The west coast of northern Mexico with Sinaloa, Chihuahua, Durango, Sonora. It's dissected by a series of streams and associated canyons. And so we'll start up north pretty close to El Paso, the tributaries of the Rio Yaqui. South of the Yaqui, we've got the Rio Mayo. And south of the Mayo is the Rio Fuerte. Then there's the Rio Sinaloa, the Culiacan. The San Lorenzo, Rio Piazla, Rio Presidio, Rio Baluarte, Rio Acapaneda. And this is, they're spread out over about 500 miles of the West Coast. And I'm not including Baja, although there is one trout native to Baja. So the mountains and Chihuahua and Durango, most of the habitat for trout anyway is going to be somewhere between seven and 9,000 feet. There are a few okay. peaks as high as 13,000 feet, but typically there's not much water up that high. So we found trout up maybe as high as 8,500 feet. On the Pacific side, you're, you get more rainfall, of course. And it's quite a bit wetter. Now, on the Atlantic side, there is the Rio Conchos. It's considerably drier. Maybe the average uh, rainfall in that area is going to be somewhere between 10 and 20 inches. As far as the streams go, they're pretty rugged. They're in deep canyons. Some of the streams that have trout, you've got to maybe hike down from the plateau, maybe a thousand feet quite often. And then some of the canyons, like the Grand Canyon of Mexico, which would be uh, the Rio Simferosa, is about 5,000 feet deep from the top down to the, down to the main stem. Mm. So all of these drainages drain to the ocean, to the Pacific. So trout that are in the headwaters can't intermingle down low because there's salt water in between. So we think that each one of these drainages has a unique trout in it. And they've been separated. We don't know how long. And um, we were able to find trout on the Atlantic side that were native. Also, two species of trout. We originally suspected that the conchos might have native cutthroat trout because during the Pleistocene, we think that the fish trout could have traveled down the Rio Grande and up into the Rio Conchos. 
And the Rio Conchos is the largest drainage in Chihuahua. It's on order of the size of the Rio Grande. I'm curious if you can talk about what these trout look like. If we're calling them all different species, how do they look different than rainbow trout, which is the most closest ancestor that people listen to this show might be familiar with? And then how do they look different from one another? Yeah, they're all related to rainbow trout. In fact, when Needham and Gard did a study of Mexican trout in the 1950s, they ended up naming the Mexican golden trout. It's the only one that's been described. And the, the title of their manuscript from 1959 was Rainbow Trout in Mexico and California. And they were considering them all just different rainbows. One thing that a lot of these trout have in common from the Yaqui all the way down to the Rio Baluarte is typically the lateral band that would be red or rose red or pink is what we call punctuated. It's a series of red spots as mm. opposed to a solid band. And you'll see that occasionally in populations of some trout in the U.S. Some greenbacks will have that. And I've seen it also in the Bonneville cutthroats on the West Slope. I believe the Snake Valley Bonnevilles show that. Other than that, most of them have pretty strong golden color in the bellies. The Rio San Lorenzo trout are kind of drab, but they do look a lot like rainbow trout. Now, we think there's probably at least two species of trout in the Rio Fuerte. And then the Culiacan, we have evidence of two collections, and the trout look completely different to me. Oh, they okay. have, Maristically, anyways, different scale counts. Their eye is a different size, and each one's unique because they can't intermingle. In my opinion, the most beautiful trout in the country, if not the world, is the Kern River golden trout. I think they're beautiful. You're an artist, and you've seen these fish, and you know what they look like probably better than anyone in the world. How do the colors on these fish, the vibrancy of the colors and everything, compare to fish like that? They're a little bit more subdued. The, the strongest colored ones I've seen would be in the Rio Fuerte, and they're called Mexican golden because Needham and Gard, who did the studies on them originally, were, comp were familiar with the golden trout in, from California. And they look somewhat like that. The spots are smaller. The scales are much larger. And the yellows are not the brilliant golden yellow that you see in the uh, California golden. And the females... And it's especially evident when you see the fish underwater, they have almost a purplish band on the side where typically would have rose red or bright red. Joe, how did you first learn about this fish and what inspired you to do a deep dive into their history and go on an adventure to, to catch one? I worked on a Fishes of Alabama with Rick Maiden and uh, Bernie Kuhida in Bernie. the early 90s. And well, actually up into the late 90s. But I had expressed an interest to them that I wanted to, I would like to, to see some of these Mexican trout. And they arranged through Dean Hendrickson, who had spent many years down there studying fish, the trip down there in 1997 where we picked up a guide there named John Hatch. John's grandfather 
had guided Aldo Leopold into the Yaki Basin Hmm. for turkey hunting back in the 1930s. And they ended up fishing for Yaki trout. He's got a few pictures of the trout they caught on that expedition. And from there, we got interested because of Needham and Guard had collected trout probably two or 300 miles south of there in the Rio del Presidio system in northern Durango. And was your motivation like an art standpoint or a fishing? I'm kind of curious. It, which it you wasn't got fishing. It was purely illustration. I'd, I'd, okay. I had done a lot of trout at that time. Yeah. They were fascinating to me and challenging to draw. So yeah. I wanted to get specimens that we could preserve and take photos of to use for illustrations. Yeah. In this vein of talking about art, when you draw your fish, I mean, they look like they're alive. The colors are beautiful. And I think, yeah, that kind of attention to detail. Can you just talk a little bit about how you got into drawing fish and illustrating fish? Yeah, I started when I was in graduate school at uh, Fort Hayes State University in the mid 80s. A couple of other grad students and I would collect fish in a stream that went through campus. And we did a little book on the fishes of what was called Big Creek. Uh, And it was about 30 miles long. And because of water problems in Western Kansas, we got interested in that. We were going to use uh, photographs for the fish in the booklet that the university published. One of my friends was a photographer. It wasn't like you were using digital photography and you could see what you did as soon as you took the photograph. And he was having so much difficulty taking the photographs. He gave up and I said, well, I'll just draw them. Early on, I realized to do the fish correctly, I was going to have a specimen, the actual specimen to draw from, and then to get the color correct. Because as you know, preserved fish are formal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To get the color correct, I was going to have to see the fish alive in the field and photograph it in the field so I could have that as a guide for the color. So when we reached out to you to talk about these trout, you really focused in on the ones from the Rio Conchos. And I'm curious why of all these species down there that you've seen, those fish are so interesting to you. They're most interesting to me because at the time that we first went down there in 97, there were no trout known to science from the Rio Conchos. I had talked to Dean about that when we were in the Rio Fuerte drainage overlooking the Rio Conchos, and it was a vast forest, and it just looked trouty to me because it's, <laughs> you know, seven, eight, nine thousand feet. And I asked Dean if there were any trout in there, and Dean said, Robert Rush Miller says they're not because Miller had spent some time in Mexico, but had never collected trout in the Conchos. And Dean said he thought there might be. So I started researching it and found in 1888 that Edward Drinker Cope had published in the American Naturalist, just a one paragraph note that said was called the most Southern salmon, where he was telling that he had gotten trout specimens from a Nathaniel Thomas Lupton in the mid 1880s. And he and Cope, who knew something about trout, said that they looked like uh, black spotted trout, like would be found in the Rio Grande. That would 
possibly be a cutthroat trout that he was talking about. He would have had to have gotten it from the Conchos, we'd think, because the Conchos connects to the Rio Grande, and the Rio Grande has some native cutthroats in it. Now, the earliest record we could find of any trout in Mexico comes from John Woodhouse Audubon, John James Audubon's son. He went through Mexico in 1849 on his way to the California gold fields. Yeah, he was taken a long way. But he mentioned in his notes, and he was traveling in the Conchos. We know approximately where he was because he would name little ejidos as he went. We're we're here. He, he says that he saw trout in a tributary of the Rio Conchos. So that was another clue. And in 2002, we made an expedition down there to look for trout. We had, oh my gosh, we must have had 12 or 14 people and we split up into three groups. Oh, wow. Every, we spent a whole entire week down there and everybody went to the different places looking for trout and nobody found any except one group found mm-hmm. a hatchery trout. We had some real trout guys in there. Ralph and Lisa Cutter were there and they're really well known in California for the Sierra Trout Guide and my cats from New Mexico. But we got skunked. That was mm-hmm. disappointing, but we didn't give up. So I kept looking and was able to find that Art Flexig and a fellow named Charlie Moeller were sent by Needham and Guard in 1953 to look for trout in northern Mexico, in Chihuahuas particularly. Art was still alive back then. This would be 2001. I had sent him a letter about whether he had been in the conchos or not. And he said, yes, he had been in the conchos. So he sent me his notes Hmm. and they were looking for trout specifically near a town called Sisaguichi and Panalachi, approximately 75 or 100 miles south and west of Chihuahua City. What's a, you you, you say a town, what's a town up in this terrain? Well, the, they're really, I, they would be called ejidos and Panalachi, maybe 200 people live there. And they would be mm-hmm. the native Tarahumarans or Raramari. There's still quite a few Tarahumaran communities down there. And most of the communities end in the letter CHI. So you have Sisaguichi, mm-hmm. Panalachi, Rich, uh, the CHI on the end of the name means place of, and there is even an arroyo called Aparichi, which means place of trout, because the Tarmaran word for trout is Aparique. They have their own language, but most of them also speak Spanish. Art Flexig, who had been in the Conchos in 1953, collecting for Needham and Guard, he just sent two of his grad students down there to see if they could find trout. Well, Art sent me his notes. So they got into the conchos and up to as far as Panalachi because that's where people were pointing them. He says in his notes, stating our business and desire for horses on the morrow, we received assurance that fish answering our description could be found in the Rio Conchos at either of two places. One six hours ride and the other two and a half hours. That's on a horse. We soon settled on the shorter and were invited into the house where we were entertained by chickens dancing around the floor 
and a demonstration of excellent static reception by a large dry cell powered radio, which was in the proud possession of Juan Gonzalez, the owner of the house. Well, he went the next day to what I think was probably the Rio Conchos proper, where they said they could find trout. But he said the area had been so hammered by seven years of drought that they couldn't find anything. And he said he didn't expect to because it was just a series of pools and wasn't flowing at that time. So that was another clue. And then finally, the clue that made us know that there were trout in the Conchos came from a publication from 1965 by an ethnologist. The fellow's name was Campbell Pennington. And Campbell wrote a book called The Tarahumar of Mexico. And he was at Panalachi in the upper Conchos. And he was going over the list of species of fish he found. And they and he was using the Tarahumaran names for these fish. Mosarachi, which is a sucker. Motorechi, which is a stone roller. Musi, which is a, a catfish. And then he says this, a streak spotted fish with reddish or purplish fins and about eight <laughs> inches long is known as Apariki near Sisaguichi. That told us that fish from the description. There were no other fish with spots up there that would be eight inches long. That had to be a trout. So we concentrated our search when we went down in 2005 on that area near Panalachi. Did you find any? Well, we did. We went to Panalachi and there was a south flowing stream probably about five or six miles before you get to Panalachi called Rio Ritucci. It's a beautiful stream, but it's coming out of a deep canyon. Normally you wouldn't think of trout in a mesic habitat. You know, there's a lot of pine trees down there, but then there's a few you'll see occasionally dug fir and a south flowing stream is not going to be your first choice, but this stream was beautiful. And we had targeted it from looking at the topographic maps and talked to some people in Panalachi. And they said, yeah, if you want trout, go to Rio Ritucci. So we went to back to Ritucci after we talked to the people in Panalachi. Uh, we want to get away from the road. You know how it is collecting near roads because people fish the crap out of it and you don't find what you want. And there's poison roots that the taramaran use to throw in the water. They'll pound the roots, throw them in the water, and that will stun the fish. And they also use bleach. So we went up above and walked for three or four miles on trails and shocked and shocked and shocked. Stone rollers and suckers and gila was all we could find. The next day we went back to Panalachi. So let's try one more time. Talk to some more people. And they said, well, one guy says, you didn't go up far enough. You have to go up all the way to the waterfall, which is about five miles. We took fishing rods and shocking equipment and we got the same result. So we, we quit and we went back and tried some other streams for a few days with no luck. Then the third mm. day, uh, one of the Mexicans that was with us from the University of Mexico, Hector, Hector wanted to go to Panalachi. 
And there were some other streams there that he thought we should try. So we thought, okay, Hector, we'll go to Panalachi. So we went up there with Hector. And it's uh, it's not easy, you know. It's like a, an hour and a half drive. It's not like we're on a super highway. These The roads are pretty bad and mostly unpaved. And we go to this stream. And, of course, it's the same thing. There's no trout there. We can't find any trout. And skunking. So then Hector stops and we talk to somebody in town and the guy says, well, you should try this Rio Ritucci that has trout. And the Hector, there's no trout in there. We couldn't find any Beep. trout. It's pretty stubborn. And he's like, I'd just like to try it again. I'm like, no, Hector, I'm not, we're not going to waste time. He goes, let's stop here and let's talk to this guy that lives in this log cabin. So mm-hmm. we park and I walked down with Hector to the cabin, and there's a Tarahumaran fellow there. Hector talks to him in Spanish, and he says, oh, yeah. He says, you can get uh, trout out of here. And Hector says, I'll give you this box of hooks if you can put us on some trout, fish hooks. He's like, yeah, I'll do it. So he comes with us, and what does he do? He puts us in this hole that's within probably 150 yards of the road. I took a little a hand line and our Tarmaran guide said, dig up some worms from the side of the stream and put them on your hook. So I did and threw that out there and I'll be damned if I didn't pull a little trout out of there. It had a golden cut mark on it. A lot of the Mexican trout Mexican Goldens, the Yaquis, the Mayo, these trout do have little faint golden cut marks, not bright red like cutthroats. So then the guys brought the shocker down into this hole and they turned up nine more trout. Did you all celebrate? Oh my gosh. That was, <laughs> and it was all because Hector was so damn stubborn about trying this spot for the third time. I'm picturing y'all like lifting Hector into the air like the end of a game. We hiked up and down that thing five miles, but couldn't find anything. I mean, I got to ask about your reaction when you pulled that fish in, because I've had plenty of times where just for my own edification, I've wanted to catch a species and I've worked for multiple days. And when I finally get it, like I am making sure that fish does not get away because I'm going to get a photo. I've had times where I've fallen on top of a fish to keep it from flopping back in the water. You're just like, oh, oh yeah, we caught it. And it was a native trout and that was good. We had been seven, eight years then working on that. I have a stack of papers and old journal articles and books that's probably about 18 inches high, all on the possibility of trout being in the Rio Conchos. So satisfying is, yeah, that's an understatement. I was tickled to death. That was just the coolest thing. To to think there's trout in the Conchos and prove it is really Hmm. cool. I was going to ask if you drew that fish. Yeah, I did. Okay, okay. (laughs) It was a real thrill. Ang it's me, Maria, calling in from Chogyang Lands here in Dillingham, Alaska. I really am enjoying listening to Joe talk about his adventures in Mexico on this wonderful and beloved Mexican trout. It's so cool to hear about where he's traveled to and about his illustration process. I really love 
to look at his drawings. And ever since I've heard of him and seen his artwork, I knew we had to have him on the show. Hearing Joe talk about these adventures is so remarkable. I really encourage all of you listeners to take the leap, go on all the adventures, get your waterproof writing journal, and get out there. You never know what you're going to find. Maybe you'll find a scientific discovery and you have the opportunity to share it with the world. Thank you again, Joe. Big kagasakung to you for coming on and talking with our hosts. And I can't wait to hear more about these Mexican native trout. I was going to ask if you've come across any knowledge along those journeys about how the fish are important to the local indigenous folks there, the Taramarans or the Rama, is it Rama Murray? Ramamuri is what they call themselves. It means foot runner. Yeah. yeah. So trout are important to those folks, it sounds like. Particularly for Easter, but the other fish they'll take and they will keep whatever they can catch and put them in a pot to make soup, for instance. It's a big thing. If you can find a trout for Easter to eat. In fact, we had uh, Tara Lawrence tell us when we were there in February, they said, you won't find any trout because they don't come out until Easter. Do these trout face any other kind of threats? If you get back off away from the roads in most of these places and up high, there are pretty good populations in the Yaki system. And there are some good populations of trout in the Rio Fuerte and some of the tributaries of the Rio Fuerte and maybe the Culiacan. And other than that, a lot of them are pretty sparse. We've maybe sampled, I would guess, yeah. 5% or less of the habitat that could be considered high enough oh, man. for okay. the native trout. And some of the areas you really can't get into with any degree of confidence that you can't drive there and you, and it's a long hike and other places you can drive pretty close to where you need to be because there are a lot of logging roads so speaking of logging is that an issue that these fish face in terms of having either warmer water or having sedimentation come into the streams some of the places they really have been hammered because historically they would make these huge piles of sawdust and that would leach into the stream and kill the fish. And I think they used to just put the salt pour the sawdust right into the stream. They don't really do that I've seen much in the way of clear cutting. So that's good. But I think a lot of the ejido land, they manage it pretty well, but there's a fair amount of illegal cutting. There's degradation in, in a lot of the a lot of the streams unless you get up pretty high but there's a lot of beautiful streams and some that we would have sworn had trout that we weren't able to find any and there's even a lot of places in the conchos where we haven't collected because it's so difficult to to get around in there what a cool cool adventure i'm curious what mexican strains and geographically nearby trouts you've illustrated so far and what other ones you're still looking to cover I've done, let's see, probably four different trout from the Yaki, two from the Rio Mayo, two illustrations of Mayo, then from the Rio Fuerte, three different fish, a male and female, and then another one that we think is just different. And then one from the Rio Sinaloa or 
two from the Rio Culiacan. It's just crazy. Probably I've done on the order of 20 or more trout from Mexico, most of which would be considered probably when geneticists get a hold of it and they've been working on it for some time. Yeah. They'd be considered different species. Start to finish disregarding the years of research and Mm -hmm. weeks of sampling. How long does it take you to complete one of these illustrations? That's funny because if you didn't put that all that in there, I was going to take mm-hmm. tell you it takes sixty five years. <laughs> a trout generally, once it's on the the drawing table and I have the specimen there, is going to take probably around fifty to sixty hours, maybe, to illustrate. Wow. And then somewhat dependent on how small the scales are. Like cutthroat takes longer because. You know, their scale count's typically above 180, but then a Mexican golden might be a little faster because their scale counts are around 135, their lateral line rows mm. typically. So, so you're getting it like so specific um, anatomically correct. That's cool. I would like to mention some of the people that work on this project with us. Paco, Gorgonio, Hector, Faustino. A lot of Americans have been down there. Jim Brooks and Dave Probst. Jim works for, used to work for the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Nick Smith, Arnie Stankas, Ralph Cutter, Dean Hendrickson, Rick Maiden, Dave Neely, Buddy Jensen. I'm forgetting people. But they've all put a great deal of time into this. There are now, I think the IUCN red list has listed about 10 species, well, quote, species of Mexican trout that are supposed to be named by this year or else they're going to come off the IUCN list. What a cool body of work. Yeah, a lot of effort from a lot of people, it sounds like. Speaking of these species, there's another one down there, isn't there? Yeah. When we first did our 2002, we sent one group of people down to the the Rio Bietza, which is a tributary to the Conchos, but it's pretty far south. It's probably 100, 125 miles south of, by the crow flies from Panalachi, where we found the first trout. And they went in an area and said it looked fantastic. And one of the streams they visited, a cowboy down there told them there were trout in there. And they went in there and they looked and they couldn't find any. And that cowboy didn't understand why they couldn't find trout <laughs> because he catches them there all the time. Mm-hmm. And then Jim That's Brooks. That's a repeating motif in your story. Yeah, yeah, Jim Brooks. I think he was with Probst or Nick Smith. He visited that area and he tried the same stream. Arroyo del Molino couldn't find any trout. We went back there in 2007 and it's quite remote and hard to get into. And one guy told us, yeah, there's trout there. Then we found a log fella living in a log cabin near there. I don't believe he was Taramara, and I think that's more the area of the Tepewan Indians. But he told us there weren't any trout in the stream. So we get one guy saying yes, one saying no. We found a good place to camp. One trick that we've learned down there is that if you go out at night and spotlight in these pools, you'll see trout because they'll be out. So Bernie Kahida and I, and my son was with us. We went out and spotlighted at night and saw trout in the pool. And 
that was a gr- that was thrilling also because we thought well you know are these cutthroat trout because we knew that Lupton who sent the trout in the 1880s to Edward Drinker Cope had traveled through that area but we didn't know if he got trout from the conchos but but I know that Lupton went over to Guadalupe Calvo which is in the Fuerte system where the Mexican golden. So he went across the divide. Now, did he get trout in the conchos or in the Fuerte system? We don't know because the the specimens have been lost. But yeah, we went the next day to the same pool and shocked it and were able to collect some trout. And we hammered up and down that stream all day long with two groups and two shockers and only got four trout. Which doesn't bode well, but when we went back in 2000 or 2008, Arnie Stonkus did find a pool that had, he said, hundreds of trout fry in it. And he collected one to prove to us that he wasn't nuts. (laughs) And so that was really encouraging. So some of these little side streams probably always hold trout. But when the main stem gets warm and hammered, they probably swim into these. Either that, or they hide down in the refugia. Do you have any calls to action for the next generation of trout enthusiasts related to these trout in particular, or trout in the Southwest? Boy, it would be cool if we could get some to study them for a master's or maybe a doctoral dissertation. But it's such a huge project because. They're in danger from overfishing, hybridization. They're probably endangered because it's dewatering and whether taking water out for irrigation or not. I was going to ask whether the stone rollers and suckers you're catching, you think they have similar diversity to the to the trout down there? Boy, there's some cool suckers down there too. And we've caught one or two that we think is a new species. Oh, cool. Right. Well, we discovered I- there. Yeah. And why should people care about these fish and their diversity? Well, you know, that's kind of interesting because they have a different spawning regimen, we think, a different time of year and better tolerance of warm waters. Needham and Guard came down in 1952 to find trout in Mexico that might be better suited to hatcheries in the United States. Mm. There's been a couple efforts for that because these trout are unique and they're quite a bit different in their habits, I think, and their genetics than trout in the U.S. And and the native people, they have thousands of years of history with these trout. I'd hate to see them go extinct. Well, Joe, really great having you on. We really enjoyed chatting with you about this fish and your adventures and your illustrations. So thank you so much. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you. It's a lot of fun. Thanks for listening to Fish of the Week. My name is Katrina Liebeck, and my co-host is Guy Iro. Fish of the Week is a production of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, Alaska Region Office of Communications. Our production partner for the series is Citizen Racecar. We honor, thank, and celebrate the whole community, individual tribes, states, our sister agencies, fish enthusiasts, scientists, and others who have elevated our understanding and love as people and professionals of all the fish. 